Well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be here um, again and in these very plush surroundings. Over the times I've been coming, I've been in many different venues here. Two years ago, it was in one of the overflow tent areas at the back. Some of you may remember it was very dark and cold and windy and very noisy. So, but I must have done okay because they've given me now an upgrade. <laughs> But I find this is very intimidating now because it's a university lecture hall and sitting in these ranks you all look extremely intelligent <laughs> and I'm wondering what on earth can I say now that will fit these surroundings. So maybe the tent has its advantages, <laughs> the expectations are a bit lower. But anyway, what this does, it grades you according to your churchmanship. So high church people immediately drift upwards. The very low church people are here on the front row, I guess. So we're going to uh, look at this uh, topic of resilience, and resilience in particular, how it applies to faith and life and uh, leadership, and it's one of three seminars. Uh, each of them stands alone, but they're best taken together, a bit like uh, antibiotics really, if you start a course you get most benefit if you finish it but if you can only come to one you'll still get the benefit of, uh, of that. Uh, today I just want to open up that topic of resilience and think about what it is, why it's important and how we can build resilience in our lives. Uh, then tomorrow we'll look at two biblical characters who exemplify resilience and then on the third day uh, we'll look at how Jesus prepared his disciples um, to continue his work and mission, in a sense connecting with what Heather was uh, sharing this morning, that lovely passage um, in the John's Gospel in the upper room. And uh, we'll look at the Holy Spirit, but that will be just be one aspect of what we will cover on uh, Wednesday morning. But uh, why resilience? Well, I was asked a few years ago to speak at a missions conference and the theme was um, surviving or thriving, no, the, thriving, that was the word, thriving in the hard places of ministry. That was for mission partners who were working in some very dangerous and difficult places and that got me thinking about resilience and I've been exploring that topic and that theme for two or three years now. Um, and so this year I've actually been teaching quite a bit about Resilience. It is something that's very much in vogue in one sense, and you will hear that word resilience all the time now. Uh, once you clock that that word is kind of in popular usage, you begin to hear it all over, particularly if you like sport and you listen to commentary. Uh, in, in sporting terms, resilience is always important and people will identify that characteristic. But it's also really important in life and it's important in Christian ministry and service. So it's something that matters actually for us all. It's a term that comes uh, really from physics and the fact that some metals when they're under pressure they will bend a little and then when the pressure recedes they will come back, they will come back to their original shape and form. Uh, the word is a Latin word in its origin, resilio, which means to bounce back. And I guess that's one way in which we think about resilience, it's about bouncing back. 
Uh, but I want to give you a couple of definitions of resilience to begin with. The first one, a, a secular definition, um, and a short one, but I think it's very pertinent. <clears throat> this person says resilience is the capacity to remain flexible in our thoughts, feelings and behaviour when faced with a life disruption. Just note that expression, a life disruption, because that can mean many different things, but it's something that disrupts the status quo, the equilibrium of your life. Or extended periods of pressure, so that we emerge stronger, wiser, and more able. I wonder if you've ever experienced a life disruption. It covers a multitude of experiences of life that come to us, often suddenly, take us by surprise, and hit us for six. One of my friends uh, experienced the collapse of her marriage, and when she talks about she describes it like a tsunami of grief that hit her. It just came to her out of the blue, never expecting it to happen. And suddenly her world fell apart. That's the kind of thing... Uh, that is being spoken about here. How do you cope with that kind of life event, that kind of life disruption? Well, resilience helps you to cope, to come back. And the definition of resilience says not actually to come back just to where you were, but eventually, in time, to come back stronger, wiser, and actually more able. In other words, there is something to be learned and gained through adversity, through coming through some of these difficulties and challenges that life will inevitably throw up towards us. So it's about a life disruption. Then the second definition is from a more of a Christian standpoint, from somebody who works as a member care specialist amongst mission partners, she says this, resilience is having strength to fulfill the call God has given us, even when it will be painful and difficult. Resilience is staying fixed on a higher purpose, motivated by love of God, our neighbour and the world, and supported by friends. There's one of the big clues there to resilience, it's having supportive friends around you. But it is that uh, ability to stay faithful to what God has called you to do. That fits in so well with the Bible uh, teaching this morning, that Jesus was preparing his disciples to be resilient in the midst of great opposition and difficulty. When we put that together and we think about resilience, it seems to me that there are five strands to resilience. The first and obvious one is it, it's about bouncing back. I don't know if you can remember, I think they're called, they were called Kelly, a Kelly. is a kind of figure with a weight in the bottom, and if you pushed it down, it would always bounce back. That to me is the picture of bouncing back. You have setbacks, you have disappointments, but you pick yourself up and you come back. And uh, you may be even stronger than you were before, to bounce back. Another strand of resilience is to stand firm 
under pressure and opposition, not to wilt under it, but to hold your ground, as it were, to stand fast, and even to, to uh, thrive under pressure. That's resilience as well, when you just stand fast, stand your ground. Another aspect would be the ability to recover from hurt or injury and to come back stronger. So yes, you get knocked down, yes, you get hurt, but you find healing for your hurt and you find the courage to keep going and to press on as well. So it's that ability to recover. Another aspect might be the ability to keep going to the very end like a marathon race, not to quit halfway through, but to find that strength just to press on until you reach the finishing line. Or the ability to adapt to changing circumstances. Because life is always throwing new challenges to us. Things don't remain the same. They change and we have to respond to those changes and we have to adapt and learn new ways and new patterns and so on. So those are the five kind of strands uh, of uh, resilience. I wonder if you just think for a moment about who would be a person that you would think of as being resilient. It may be somebody that you know. It may be somebody that you know about, somebody who is more famous. Anybody like to give us an example? Daniel. Sorry? Daniel. Daniel in the Bible. Yeah, I'm thinking about as well, though, just people that we would all know in everyday life. Or know, know about any examples? Mo, Mo yeah, Mo Farah is a great example of resilience. Why? Because when he's running his race, he gets kicked from behind. In fact, when he was running the Olympics, he actually fell, but he got up and he found the strength to keep going again. Any other example of resilience? The Queen. The Queen. Well, the Queen has been going for so long and still holding firm her faith and her stand as well. Any other example of resilience? Nelson yeah, Nelson Mandela is one who's often given as an example of uh, resilience uh, because he came back after that imprisonment and he was changed and he was uh, different and, and uh, something had happened inside him as well and he was able to lead his country through that difficult time and uh, turmoil. You find that resilience is the theme of many films Many great stories have this theme of facing great odds, facing challenges, and yet overcoming them and uh, becoming wiser and stronger as a result of them. It's a great theme in, in life stories and a big theme in uh, biblical stories as well. So, but where does resilience come from? Well, I think we can maybe suggest three different things about resilience. First of all, to some extent, we are born with a degree of resilience. So a little baby that is born prematurely will fight for life. Something in the human spirit is very resilient. It fights for life, for survival. And very often when whole communities face great tragedy, you'll see this resilient spirit come out. That people actually, when faced with great adversity, great challenge, find inner resources that they didn't know they were there before. You see it come to the fore. And in some of the recent tragedies in, uh, in Britain, in London, in Manchester and so on, you've seen that as well. You've seen that something comes out in people that they didn't know was there. Great courage, great fortitude, uh, great staying power and uh, something good comes out of 
it as well. That's part of resilience. It's something that we're born with. We maybe have it in different degrees, um, but it is something that is there. It's often said, actually, that children that face difficulties in childhood learn to become resilient because they have many obstacles in their early years. And if you look at the story of many people who achieve great things, they've often achieved them despite hardship when they were very young. In fact, the hardship prepared them for some of those uh, challenges, made them resilient. Uh, and uh, so they can achieve things because they have got that in their background, in their upbringing as well. So uh, sometimes we're born with it or it's been formed with us, within us as we've been growing up. Secondly, it's a characteristic that's learned and developed when we face adversity. Uh, resilience needs a challenge. A bit like what Heather was saying this morning, going to the gym, and she talked about resistance. If you can think of resilience like a muscle inside you, if that muscle is to become stronger, it needs something to push against. And it will not become stronger unless there is something that resists it. It needs some kind of resistance. So you don't get that kind of, well, maybe you do get that kind of resilience in the gym as well. Uh, but you get it in life as well. And life itself, because we face difficulties, helps to build in us resilience. It has to be tested. And it's when we find that kind of meet adversity, it brings something out of it in us that we didn't know was there. And that's something we call resilience, the, the ability to overcome setbacks and difficulties and so on. But thirdly, what I want to say to you this morning is that resilience actually is also a divine impartation of strength. It is something that God gives to us when in our weakness we cry to him for help. The Holy Spirit is part of the way in which God ministers strength and courage to us so that we can actually go on. When we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus himself showed great resilience. In fact, I would say Jesus is the resilient one, capital R, capital O, because he epitomizes in his life great resilience. This is how the writer to the Hebrew puts it in Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He went through the cross, felt its pain, suffered its agony, but he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured, same word, such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The great challenge for us is, the great danger for us is that in this hostile world we may become weary and lose heart. We have to find strength to go on. Where do we find that strength from? First of all, by looking to Jesus as an example and an inspiration but secondly, by receiving the life of Jesus within us through the Holy Spirit, because he is the resilient one. So the life of Christ in me enables me also to become resilient, to have that same capacity to face adversity and come through the challenges and trials of life. 
So in the sense, it's summed up for me in Philippians 4 verse 13, where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me strength. So whatever are the things that God calls me to face, I can be assured that he will give me the strength, commensurate strength, to face that very challenge and to come through it stronger and wiser and more able as a result of having been there in the first place. The divine impartation of strength. The Bible has a great word. It doesn't use the word resilience. Resilience is a more modern word, really. But it uses this word endurance. The Greek word is hupomene, which means constancy under trial. And if you take a concordance and you look that word endurance up, you'll see it's used many, many times in different contexts. And it's always with this idea of persevering. That's another translation of it, to persevere, to patiently endure, to see it through to the very end. William Barclay called it spiritual stain power or constancy under trial. He also rather unhelpfully called it the manly virtue. <laughs> well, he was a child of his times, like we all are, but we know that uh, res resilience is not gender-based. In fact, uh, women are as resilient, probably more so, <laughs> than men are, actually. So, but what it means is constancy under trial. There is that inner resolve not to give up, to keep going, to press on, and so on. So just some caveats to uh, add into that. Uh, first of all, you might be resilient in one area, but not in another. So you may find, in a sense, like I do, it, it's easier to face trouble yourself than to see your children face trouble. <laughs> because you can do something about the trouble that you're facing. But what gets me anxious sometimes is when I see my grandchildren struggling over something. That can cause me great anxiety, which I have to bring back to God. So I might resilient in one area, but not in another area uh, of life, where it may be something that I've got some control over, or uh, I can do something about. But when I see others uh, suffer, then that's more difficult. Or it may be that I'm resilient when I'm facing trial, but I find criticism hard to deal with. That's what knocks me for six. So you get the point that you can be resilient in one area of life, but not necessarily in, in every aspect of life. That's just one caveat. second caveat is this, that when we're talking about being resilient, it does not mean that we will never face struggle or failure, or defeat. We're not talking about some way of living that makes us impervious to pain and struggle and so on. No, actually resilience grows as you go through these trials. It's about going through them, not avoiding them. Not going round them, but actually going through them. Because that is actually what creates resilience uh, inside of you. Uh, because Paul says, doesn't he? Paul says this suffering produces perseverance. It produces it. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. 
And hope does not disappoint us because the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts. There's a whole chain of events there in Romans chapter 5. That when you face suffering, something is being produced inside you. Resilience, perseverance, hupomene. That is what gives you your character, your strength of character. It's formed because you respond to trial in faith and dependency upon God. And then to help you along the way, the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in your heart in a way in which we were hearing about this morning. He comes alongside us, draws alongside us, helps us, guides us through it. So we come through at the other side, stronger, wiser and more able. But it doesn't mean that we're going to avoid those difficulties. The third thing to mention here is that resilience is not a fixed trait. It's not something that I have. It's something that grows. It's developmental. And we can learn to be resilient. So I'm going to share with you in a moment some of the ways by which you can learn to be resilient. I can learn to be more resilient. Yes, there's something that's given to us from birth. There's something imparted by God, but we can also learn to become more resilient. There are things that we can learn about ourselves and about life and about how to respond that will help us to become more resilient so that we have more resources to cope with the things that come to us. I guess in many ways, resilience is best seen with hindsight, with a little bit of hindsight. At the time, you probably don't realise that you're being resilient. But maybe afterwards, when you've come through, you can see, well, yeah, we did that, we, we came through that. And with a bit of hindsight and a bit of perspective, you can see it in greater clarity. And of course, each experience of needing to be resilient is increasing your resilience for the next time. So you're learning things about yourself and how you react under pressure so that when you find yourself in that situation again, you've got some reserve to call upon. If you ask me, am I a resilient person? I'm not sure I would say yes to that. I don't feel resilient at all. I'm not the kind of person who's saying, trouble, bring it on, come on, let it come. In fact, I want to say, trouble, stay away. <laughs> and yet, when I look back over my life, I've had some difficult times, believe me, <laughs> in life and in ministry. Times when I thought I would never survive or never get through. Times when I wanted to give up altogether. And yet, 40 years later, I'm still here. Thank you. That would be very uh, helpful. Great, thank you. I'm still here. So I guess I must be resilient. But I don't feel resilient. And you'll never actually feel resilient because it isn't an emotion. It's a response. It's a response of something that's deep inside you to adversity. Something that's God-given at birth. Something that God imparts you when you need it. Something you've learned as you've gone through life. So that, in a sense, is what we're talking about with resilience. I want to pause there to ask if you've got any questions or comments on that. That's really just giving you some background to resilience, both in general terms and... <coughs> it's quite difficult in this big auditorium to ask questions. But 
I want to pause in case there is something. Yes, is it? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, do you think as leaders that we can actually add guilt uh, in terms of us expecting more of ourselves in, in terms of resilience because we're leaders? As leaders, can we put guilt upon ourselves because we expect more from ourselves in being resilient? Uh, well, I guess it's easy, when, and I hope you, you're not receiving what I'm saying in this way. I am I'm not saying you have to be resilient, and if you're not resilient, that shows that you are weak and a wimp. <laughs> I'm saying just the opposite of that, actually. Resilience helps you to come... You will, you will not feel resilient, I don't think. Yeah. I never do, but somehow I get through. And when I've come through, I look back, I think, oh yeah, I must have been resilient because I'm here. <laughs> I got here. So it's, it's not about thinking you've got to be super strong or even feel you're resilient. You probably won't. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, when, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. That's when I'm at my strongest. So what I feel is weakness, but what comes through actually is strength. That's what comes through. So thanks for that, that point. Hopefully that doesn't make anybody feel that they're not resilient. You won't feel it. You'll just show it. <laughs> eventually with time when you come through what, is the, what would the difference be between resilience and what the world might call being thick skinned uh, what would be the difference between resilience and being thick skinned well I think thick skinned is actually just being kind of stubborn and dogged and determination and determined and blotting things out really denying what's going on often Resilience is not about denying things, as we'll see. It's actually about being real and facing up to things. Uh, but it isn't just a human characteristic. It comes out of dependency upon God, really, I think. So there is another dimension. There is a faith dimension to it. So dogged determination might be an expression of faith, or it may just be an expression of me doing the best I can. And if you don't have a faith dimension, that is what you're left with, isn't it? Dogged determination, really. But it, resilience is actually more than that. It's a much more positive uh, characteristic than just sheer dogged determination. Can you explain a bit more about the role of, of friends in relation to resilience? Yes. The process of reli- reli- resilience. Yes. Among male. Yes. Men yes. Yes. Because I think women gravitate. Yes. Much more naturally. Yes. To be seeking. Yes. Support or advice or counsel. Yes. But what I observe is that maybe men, the pride possibly. Yeah. Want to just generalize? Yes. But, uh, just sort of something close to me at the minute. Just yes. Think, so what would you say around that, or what's your experience of that? Well, that would be one of the factors in uh, building resilience that we develop supportive friendships. But yes, you're absolutely right uh, that uh, women have a, a greater tendency to gravitate towards others and share their hearts. Men kind of isolate themselves and tend to withdraw. And therefore that is a weakness actually in their ability to be resilient because they bottle it all up. Hence the growing number of male suicides. And we've seen some very high profile stars of sport, stars of music, committing suicide because of that inability to, to share, because it is, appears like weakness, and yet it is the source of strength to be able to open up and to share. So we'll say a little bit more about that. Thank you, it's a good point. 
I'll press on and then there'll be more opportunity for a question at the end because I want you to turn to that uh, little diagram now uh, which uh, I've called it the building blocks of resilience. So from all that I've read and I've read many books about resilience and I've talked with people about resilience and I've thought about it in my own life and so on, it seemed to me that there are nine factors in resilience that you can build into your life, that I can build into my life. Some of these, you will be doing them automatically. Others, you may actually see, wow, that is a big gap. And that's something I need to build uh, into my life so that I can increase my resilience, my capacity to cope with adversity. So, first of all, going down the left-hand side, uh, three that go together, First characteristic of resilient people, they have a sense of perspective, they find meaning and purpose in what's happening in their lives, they have a theology of suffering, or what's sometimes called theodicy. Theodicy is a term that's given to working out that eternal problem of why a God of love allows bad things to happen. Every one of us has to struggle with this question sooner or later. Because for most of us, our expectation will be that if we're faithful to God and we do the right things, then generally life will work out for us. We may have some minor upsets, but nothing major will happen. So for most people, when something major happens, that life disruption comes, their faith is thrown into confusion because they think, well, why has God allowed this to happen to me? The very first question is, why? Doesn't God love me? Isn't God good? And everybody has to work out for themselves their response to that question. I'll say to you now, I don't think there is an easy answer and straightforward, there's no magic answer to that question, the why. There's a lot of mystery about suffering and why it happens. But we have to be able to see some kind of meaning or purpose coming out of it so we can make at least make some sense of it. So you've got to have something in your mind that you've thought through before that tsunami hits you. If you've nothing there in your mind and the tsunami hits you, it will knock you for six completely and your faith may never recover from it. But if you've thought about it, if you've wrestled with this question, if you've had to face up to it, then at least you will have some capacity to cope with it. It's really important. That's my starting off point because that's where it, the rubber hits the road for most people, really. I've just been writing a foreword for a book written by a friend of mine, and it's a, really her personal story of how, although she was an experienced Christian leader, missionary, lecturer in a Bible college and so on, when she got the news that her niece had a, a serious and aggressive form of cancer, a young girl, just early 20s. It knocked her for six. And uh, she has had to work through that whole question for her. Well, what does that mean for my faith? And, and she did work through it. And, the, and the, um, she writes a story, it's based on the book of Habakkuk, actually, because Habakkuk dealt with this question himself. And his great conclusion at the end is, though the, the fig tree do not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, the produce of the olive fail and there be no sh sheep in the 
field or whatever it goes on, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. And he comes through, but the whole book is about his lament and his anger and his confusion and his bewilderment. And Mags has written this book that expresses her working out of that question in her personal circumstances. So I would encourage you to read about that whole area because you never know when you will actually need to think it through. A dear colleague of mine that I worked with some years ago, just a couple of weeks ago, sent a message to me asking us to pray. Her 10-year-old daughter, uh, her leg suddenly broke for no reason, no collision or anything, it just broke. And uh, they found that she got a tumour, very serious tumour in her leg. And suddenly, there you are. How are you going to cope with that? What do you make of all that? How do you respond? Well, one way will be because you've thought about it, because you've wrestled with it, and maybe you will still have to wrestle with it. We'll look at the story of Joseph tomorrow, particularly because Joseph illustrates that point, and because that is a very key point, I think. So I'm giving you just the, um, the outline of these uh, topics here quickly. Second one is resilient people, they have a vital relationship with God. The key word there is the word vital. That means living, alive, active, responsive, meaningful, not just I go to church, not just I believe in God, but actually I'm growing in my faith. And one of the things that we have as believers is we have a source of strength that many other people do not have. And the interesting thing is that all the literature on resilience, secular literature, points to this fact that people who have a sense of the transcendent, that they believe there is a divine being, become more resilient, and people who pray are more resilient. And uh, sometimes as uh, Christians we don't realise what resources we have available to us. We take them all for granted. I think sometimes, you know, I've been through a difficult time because my wife um, has a breast cancer at the moment, and I'm so grateful to belong to my church. When I go to my church, the first thing that happens is that people welcome me with open arms. And they give me a hug and they know who I am and they're pleased to see me and that does you good. And we have some chit-chat and some conversation. Then we begin to sing our worship and we sing these great songs of faith and, and as we're singing the words and ministering to my soul and giving me strength and encouragement to go on and and then we have some good teaching, some inspiring teaching, and that strengthens me as well. And then if you want to, you can be prayed for and you can receive prayer. And so every week, every week, I'm being made more resilient simply by being at church. Wow, that is something special. Don't take it for granted. You're not alone. We are not alone. We have a vital relationship with God. Your relationship with God will help you in every aspect of life. Third thing is resilient people, they practice self-care and pay attention to their own well-being. That might seem and it feels to some people like a very selfish thing to do, to look after yourself. But actually you will cope better with life if you take care of yourself properly. By which I mean that you get enough rest, that you look after your diet, that you exercise, that you have time for relaxation for yourself, that you sleep well. 
If you look after those areas, then you will be able to better cope with what life throws at you. It's not being selfish. When you travel by plane, you will know that if you're traveling with a child and it seems counterintuitive, they always say, first put your own seatbelt on, then put the seatbelt on for your child. Sometimes you have to care for yourself in order that you can care for other people. Particularly sometimes for people in ministry or people who are in caring roles, they care for everybody but themselves. They do violence to themselves. And we feel justified in doing it. It seems spiritual to do that. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. What does that spell? No, disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes you have to take care of yourself in order that you can love other people. I discovered for myself that I had no real spirituality of the body. I'm a person who teaches about spirituality. And a couple of years ago, God spoke to me very deeply about this thing, that I had no spirituality of the body. I was all spirit and soul. And my body, I just took it for granted. And I was out for a walk one day, and this little phrase from the marriage ceremony came into my mind, where it says, With my body I thee worship. And God said, When you look after your body, you're worshipping me. And I thought, yeah, God, actually, I know my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but I don't half take it for granted. And I need to look after it better than I'm doing. So I started doing exercise. I I now play walking football every week. Do you know what walking football is? Some of you look as though you'd be good at it, I think. (laughs) It's the football the same as any other, but you can't run. And so I meet with this group of guys, I I just love it. Some of them are in their 70s and so on. Some of the really good players have been good and so on. And just when you think that, yeah, I'm too old now to do any competitive sports, suddenly you discover walking football and it's great. (laughs) It's great. And when the referee penalizes you for running, you get really excited because you think, yes, I can still run. (laughs) But however you find it, it's part of your well-being. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. You, you, you owe it to yourself to find and to practice self-care. So the middle column. Resilient people have a clear sense of identity. They have self-esteem, self-understanding and self-efficacy. This is the psychological dimension. Identity, first of all. We know our worth and our value. I could talk to you all day about this great truth that we are God's beloved children. It's the foundation block on which everything else is built in the Christian life. It's the answer to your problems if you suffer from low self-esteem. There's no need to be there. Why? Because God has loved you with an everlasting love. You are his deeply loved child. Nothing can separate you from that love. That's where your worth and value comes from. That's a building block. On top of that, you can build self-awareness, self-understanding. That also is vital to resilience, that you understand yourselves. How do I react under pressure? What am I likely to do under certain circumstances? Am I likely to comfort eat? Am I likely to drink? Am I likely to seek some kind of solace elsewhere in another person? What am I like to do under pressure? 
and get all the self-awareness and self-understanding that you can get, however you get it. I've done many kind of courses to, to help me to understand myself. I used to teach Myers-Briggs workshop. It's one of the most insightful things I've ever done to understand my own personality. To, am I an introvert? Am I an extrovert? And all that kind of thing. It's so helpful. Because the more you understand yourself, the more you will be able to deal with things. But if you don't understand yourself, you can be really taken by surprise. And then self-efficacy really means confidence. <clears throat> and uh, whilst we talk about dependency upon God, and I talk a lot about dependency upon God, and I'm always reminding people, Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. That doesn't mean that you lack confidence. The confidence comes from knowing that God can use me in my weakness and wants to use me. Therefore, you have to have a certain degree of confidence. It's humble self-confidence, not the self-confidence of pride. But it is the kind of confidence that says, with God's help, I can do this. It causes you to stand erect and say, I'm a child of God. With, this, with God's help, I can do this. I can take on this challenge. This is all how we're developing our soul, as it were. Our sense of self. That's the psychological dimension. So important. Because resilient people have a clear sense. They know who they are. They understand themselves. They're at ease with themselves. They know their strengths and their weaknesses, so they can guard themselves. Because they know what their weak points are. Middlebox says this, Resilient people practice the renewal of their minds and manage their thought life. When you hear about cognitive behaviour therapy, it's really helpful, it's about managing your thoughts. When you hear about mindfulness, which is all the rage nowadays, recognise that Christians have been talking about this for centuries. Paul talks about renewing your mind, because the mind is so vital to how we respond to things. The mind is how we interpret these events that are happening to us. You have to keep renewing your mind. You have to keep getting your thoughts in line with God's thoughts. And that is something you have to discipline yourself to do. You have to renew your mind. Both cognitive behaviour therapy and mindfulness have some really good things to teach us. But we put them in the context of the scriptures already teaching this. But this is explaining how to do it, actually. I told you, that you could, about my own um, anxiety about my grandchildren, and one of them in particular. And a couple of years ago, I really became very anxious uh, about my grandson, George. And uh, I, I don't think I've been as anxious about anything, really, in, in the whole of my life. And I was in a bookshop one day and browsing and I came across this book, The Mindful Way of Dealing with Anxiety, and I took it home, I felt prompted to read it, and it really helped me. And it helped me in this way, because it helped me to see my own thought process. And then the Spirit brought me back to where Paul says, have no anxiety about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication and so on, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will keep and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's very easy to read that verse, but I had no way of understanding my own thought pattern that was creating the anxiety within me. But that book helped me to understand 
that not all my thoughts are real or genuine and that I can stand outside of my thoughts and I can decide what I want to think and what I can't think. And it explained for me what I'd always known about renewing the mind, but I'd never really had a way of doing it, to be honest. And it really helped me. And it's become a great help. But it's that thing about managing your thoughts, understanding your thoughts, not just being carried along on a train of thought, because sometimes those thoughts are not true, they're not real, and they will actually lead you away from God, not towards God. I've just been rereading The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's all about actually not letting your thoughts wander where they want to, but taking control of them and bringing them back, focusing them upon God. That's long before mindfulness came into being. Resilient people. Resilient people acknowledge and express their emotions know how to manage them well. Emotions are important. They're important for men as well as women. And we should not deny our emotions. If we are facing grief and we are sad, then we grieve and we are sad. And grief sometimes takes a long time to work through. It's real. Don't try to short-circuit it. Don't try to get over it too quickly. Whatever emotion you experience, don't be afraid of it because emotions give colour and vitality to life. But neither should we be a prisoner to our emotions, so that our emotions dictate how we behave. That's where we have to bring our emotions in line with what we know from Scripture and from the truth of the Word of God. And because thoughts and emotions go together, these two things are very much linked. If you're thinking correctly, then your emotions will be good. But if your thinking is wrong, then your emotions will be wrong, probably. So bringing emotions in line. Resilient people next have supportive relationships and receive help from other people. We've already had that point helpfully made to us that ladies in the saints do that instinctively. Men, we need a bit of help and encouragement to do it. But it's coming. I think there's more awareness, particularly amongst Christian men, that it's okay to admit weakness, it's okay to be vulnerable, that we need some friends with whom we can share our deepest concerns, where we can just meet together and talk and get in touch with what's going on inside uh, our lives. I'm so grateful that I have a small group of friends that I meet with on that kind of basis. Every eight weeks or so we get together and we can share openly what's happening, pray for one another. It's a source of great strength. Sometimes you may want to find a mentor, somebody who will be there to help you and to guide you, or a spiritual director, whatever term you want to use. That is so important actually in... Uh, working your way through and uh, being resilient. Through Facebook, I've just come in contact with a a school friend that I, we were together many years ago. He's in ministry in a church in Southampton now. And we've we've connected and we've met up uh, every now and then. And I realized because of something that happened just a few weeks ago, that I had a very big issue inside me that I thought had been dealt with long ago but it, but it hadn't. And often that's the way it is, isn't it? Something surfaced in our lives, even after 30 or 40 years, and this thing surfaced again. And I realized that I had borne this pain, and I had never told the story to anybody. Never. And I thought, I've got to talk to somebody, and I'm so glad that my friend was available to me, because he kind of understood the situation somewhat, but he was outside of it. 
and I said to him, could I speak to you? And, and he said yes, and we had a Skype conversation, and I talked for an hour or more about this whole situation, he kind of listened and he interjected every now and then, but boy, did it do me the world of good. <laughs> this thing that had been there for 30 or 40 years, and I'd never been able to share it openly <laughs> with anybody. That's why we need friends around us, good friends like that. If you've got friends, appreciate them, let them know. Develop that friendship. Friendship takes time. It's really vital. Could say more about that. Resilient people have a strong sense of belonging to a community and making a contribution. They feel part of a team. And if you feel that what you're doing is worthwhile, then when it's difficult, you will be able to persevere in it because you know it's worthwhile and it's appreciated. Belonging to a part of a church is important, but in an organisation, if you're working in a team, it's so important that the members of that team feel that they matter, that what their contribution is worthwhile, because that's what keeps us going, it keeps all of us going when it's difficult. That's the thing for organisations and communities to be very careful about. Resilient people finally equip themselves for the task by being committed to lifelong learning and developing new skills. In other words, there's always something new to learn. And we want to be hungry to learn more, to learn more about our faith, to learn more about ourselves, to learn the skills, to cope with life. One of the best courses I ever did was listening skills. I'd recommend everybody to do listening skills. I thought I was a good listener until I did a course on listening skills. And I realized I didn't listen at all. I just waited for my turn to speak. But listening is the foundation of all relationships. So if you've never done a course on listening skills, get on the internet, sign up for one. It will transform all your friendships and relationships because you'll be, you'll be a good listener. And the other great thing I did was a course on conflict management because I knew that's a weak area for me. And I don't know how to deal with conflict and I don't know how to express my own point of view. I did assertiveness skills because I needed to learn how to say what I was feeling. All of these kind of things are there to help us, friends. We develop resilience. You can use that little checklist to look at those things and say, okay, which of those areas are going okay, but are there any areas which actually are a bit blank? <laughs> There's not much there. Because this, when those things are there, they will increase your resilience. When they're not, they will decrease your resilience. Your ability to cope will be in proportion to whether these building blocks are there in your life. And you can put them there. You can put them there. But it requires you to make some response. We've got uh, five minutes, a good five minutes for questions. There's a lot there for you to digest. It took me a week to teach that to the Salvation Army and you've got it in an hour. <laughs> Sorry about that, you'll have indigestion over lunch now. It strikes me that um, what you're really talking about here, Tony, is sort of a wholeness. Yes. Um, yeah. Because when I was when you were just on the other page, the question that occurred to me was, well, what's, what's the ultimate 
what's God's ultimate purpose for this? Yes, Jesus is But what what is the value of this? We, we all think of resilience as, as yes. a great asset, but I want to know God's point of view why. But then with this chart, which is incredibly helpful, yes. um, it, it, it's almost rather than just blocks, I was thinking of a hub of you know of a bicycle and then all the spokes. Those spokes, yes. One spoke goes out, which happened to me the other week. Actually, it really compromises the yes. the overall performance. And so, having these things all working together, it's almost like it seems to me that this is like God saying, now, "This is the optimum yes. picture." I yes. put it under the um, title of resilience. Yes. But this is wholeness, and, and I guess really a kind of almost maturity. Yes. As well, isn't it? Um, so that you're not. Yes. Yes. So this is about wholeness. It's about maturity. You can see these as the spokes of the wheel. That's a, a good illustration uh, to use because each one is a spoke and if one spoke is missing, the whole wheel is uh, weakened. Uh, and it is about coming to maturity. And I, I was interested by what uh, Dave said last night in his talk about the psychologist who was asked the question, you know, what is maturity? And he came up with gentleness and kindness and so on. And that is because a person is secure inside. And I think that's what this comes up with as well, really, that actually here is somebody who is built on a rock. They don't necessarily feel strong, but when they need it, that strength is there. There's that quiet inner strength. You will never actually feel strong. You won't feel like Superman or Superwoman. Just the opposite most days. But actually there's an inner strength there that only comes to the fore when it's needed, but it's there. And you're building, this is a foundation, you're building your house on rock, not on sand. Yes, thank you, that's helpful, thank you. All right. Anything else that I can clarify for you? Sorry, Tony. Yes. I totally get what you were saying about um, childhood experience. Yes, <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, I'm thinking of positive ones. Yeah. You know, you were abused as a child. You mm. um, positive risks taking. Yes. I experienced as a child that yeah. has really helped. Yes. This area. Yes. And yet, you look at how that has changed. Yes. Society wise. Yes. So, any words of advice for how we help people who haven't had those positive experiences when they were children? They would somehow closeted and wrapped in cotton wool. Yes. Almost super protected. Yes. How do we help people who haven't So the question is how do we help uh, uh, people in their childhood who um, were, you know, closeted and didn't have to face difficulty and so on. Well, I guess we can help people with uh, to experience challenges now. That's why the outdoors is a great thing to do, isn't it? Camping and all that kind of thing. That's what I was brought up with as well, really, you know, and, um, going out and into the outdoors and, and learning kind of things together with other people, really. I think you have to be there with other uh, people. Um, I know Rachel, uh, Rachel Turner is here. She's doing some seminars about confident children and things like that, so you may like to ask her about that. I, I don't have a great deal to say about that myself. I don't really know, except that I, I do think, you know, there has to be an element of risk in bringing up children, and I think it is something that is uh, actually lacking for 
uh, for many children these days. So, I mean, it's something where church can help. Again, a lot of my experiences came out of church camps and things like that, and, and you know, going uh, outward bound kind of things as well. <laughs> they are the kind of things that build things into your life. Or playing sport as well, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? That builds resilience as well. Yes, I don't really have anything more to say. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> How can people uh, ensure that their resilience is in God and not just in their own ability to cope? I think I would want to say to that that if we are believers, eventually God, in his mercy, will bring us to a place where we can't cope. And that is one of the great lessons of the Christian life that sooner or later something will happen that with all your personality and power and so on you are out of your depth and you can't cope and the bottom falls out of the world and, and out of your world and, and that is God's mercy <laughs> to you because it is the way that you learn to depend upon him so in God's agenda for spiritual growth there will always come what Richard Raw calls a stumbling block well, the Bible calls it a stumbling block. That is something that will trip you up and you will come to the end of yourself, really. So, I would just say that, that really life itself will come to you and maybe uh, life sent to you by God as well. Does that help? I'm not sure if that's hitting what you're talking about. Yes, talking more about the day-to-day. The day-to-day. Well, I, I guess it, it is the, the point, how I, for me, it's how do I begin my day? If I begin my day with just even a short time of prayer, where I say, Lord, to you, for, for this day, Lord, I'm dependent upon you, please fill me with your Holy Spirit, then I can go into that day and I live that day depending upon God, because that's how I started the day. If I'm going into the day without that kind of connection with God, then I am actually living in my own strength and in my own power and sooner or later that will run out is that what you're trying to get at I don't <laughs> yeah maybe you can talk to me afterwards if uh, if we need to explain that we have to uh, there has to be a balance um, between relying on God and working it out. Yes, relying on God and working it out go together, and that's what this is also about. I'm dependent upon God, but uh, I also need to do what I can do to strengthen myself too, but always in dependency upon Him.